Hey, this is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. So this morning, uh, the title of my message, I don't want to give it away too soon, but the title of my message is The Comeback. And I had to blur that picture out a little bit so I don't get any copyright strikes from YouTube. (laughs) But that comes from one of my favorite movies. Because we all love a good comeback story, right? We all love that story where, you know, the hero's in there and things are looking good for a while and then all of a sudden something happens and there's a setback. Or the hero makes a mistake and, or is, is blindsided by something. Or, or maybe it's our basketball team. You know, they're down by 20 points at the half. And we're like, how are they ever going to pull this out? You know, how are they ever going to come back from that? And then at the end of the game, there's that buzzer beater that puts us over the top. And everybody's shouting and everybody's up in the air and hands are flying and nachos are being thrown across the room. And we just love that comeback story. We love the sto- those stories where, you know, somebody or something comes back and manages to kind of snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. We love those stories. I love those stories. In fact, most of our modern movies are predicated on that one idea. You know, it's all doom and gloom. You know, everything starts out okay, and then all of a sudden there's the moment, you know, whenever everything falls apart, especially in the love stories. You know, those love stories. You know, everything, it looks like it's good. The guy and the girl are, you know, they're connecting, and everything looks like it's okay, and then all of a sudden, boom! You know, something happens and they fall apart, you know, and everything's wrecked. It's usually the guy's fault. It's just the way it is, ladies. It's usually the guy's fault. And it all falls apart, but then by the end of the movie, you can kind of count on it. By the end of the movie, we have the storybook ending. Everything comes back together. You know, somebody's willing to say that they're sorry. Or, you know, like in Rudy, if you guys have not seen Rudy, I highly recommend the movie Rudy. Sean Astin, he was also in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but he plays a really great part. This one little guy who wanted to play football for so long, only got to manage to to get into one game. And when he did, he gave this amazing athletic performance. He thought he was too small, all that. It's a great movie. I I recommend it. But this morning, we're going to be talking about this idea, the idea of the comeback. And I need my iPad to come back. There we go. So we're going to be looking... Had a pretty familiar story, and I hope that maybe um, we can look at it from a slightly different perspective, um, because this story has been done again and again. I mean, this is one of the ones that we grow up hearing about in Sunday school. Um, but we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Look at that. I can also switch back and forth between my notes and my Bible. It's so good. Okay. So these are the words of Jesus, and we're going to look at the first few verses. And Jesus is talking about having lost something. He's telling the the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep. And then he gets to this one story, um, which I think is really kind of what he was hinting at all along. And he really kind of gets into the meat of it. And he says, to illustrate the point further, the idea of the Lord recovering things that are lost, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, 
I want my share of your estate now before you die. Man, that's, that's rough. I have to, every time I read this story, I have to stop right there because in that society, that was that son basically saying, Dad, I, I wish you were dead. I mean, that's really what he was saying because it was an unusual thing. It was a, a never heard of kind of thing for a child to gain an inheritance before the death of the parent. So this son was, wow, he was, he was kind of a piece of work. <laughs> he really was. It's, it's rough. I mean, that's, we kind of gloss over that, that scripture, but that's really what he was saying was, Dad, what I care about is your money. I'm interested in your money. I'm not really, I'm not really so hot on you, but I'm interested in your money. So he says, I want my share of your estate now before I die. That was pretty rough. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, man, he was, he was quick. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. So we're going to look kind of at the anatomy of, of the comeback. So we know that before there can be a comeback, there has to be some sort of setback. And it's amazing to me, and these sleeves are getting on my nerves. It's amazing to me how the Lord will allow difficult circumstances in our lives because he knows that we need them. It's, it's rough. It's, it's hard. As a parent, I was talking to Adrian Miller the other day. She's the one who cut my hair. Anyway, shout out, Adrian. Um, but she's the one who cut my hair the other day. But while we were sitting there talking, I really just felt the spirit of the Lord moving on me, and we began talking about what it was like to be a parent. And one of the things I shared with her was the insight that I had gained on just maybe a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what it must be like to be the Lord and to have to deal with us. And I told her how I had gained new perspective on my relationship with the Lord by having become a parent. Because when you become a parent and you're responsible for these little ones and you invest your heart and your soul and your finances, Liz and Josh, finances into your kids. I know you can see me. Um, you invest your finances into your children and you just pour everything you've got into those kids. And then one day they get a little older and maybe they don't need mom and dad so much. Or maybe they say something that hurts your feelings. You know, maybe they learn that from dad. But maybe they say something that hurts your feelings or they act like maybe you're not terribly important to them. And as I have gotten older and I have parented children of older ages, I have gained a much better perspective on what it must like, very small fraction. I can't even imagine what it's like to deal with seven and a half billion people. Can you imagine? Whoo, Lord. <clears throat> but I've gained a better perspective, I think, um, of what it must be like for him to deal with us. Because we, we neglect him so often. I mean, think about it. As we've been reading through this scripture as a church, 
Hope everybody's still on the Bible plan. I got to tell you, I'm a little behind. Maybe not a little behind, but I'm behind. <laughs> but I'm still reading. I'm, I'm still in there. I'm pushing forward. But the one thing that struck me about so much of this scripture was the faithfulness of God. I mean, just his crazy, like, will not deny his faithfulness for anything and the unfaithfulness of the people and how quick they were to turn whenever something didn't go their way. Not enough water, oh, it's time to stone Moses. Not enough food, let's complain. And then the Lord sends us so many quail that we stuff ourselves, you know, and then get sick from stuffing ourselves. Or let's complain and, you know, Moses has to strike a rock instead of speaking to it and he gets, he doesn't even get to go into the land. That's, that was pretty rough. But um, I've gained a little more perspective, I think. So whenever I read this and this story and I see just how callous the son is and just how much he doesn't realize at all what it is that he's doing in the moment. I mean, he's clueless. All he knows is what he wants. That's it. He knows he sees those dollar signs and he wants dad's money. Dad has worked hard for his money and he's put it away and he's invested it and he's husbanded his sheep and raised those cattle because that's how you had money back then in case you didn't know. I mean, gold and silver was around, but you know, if you were rich, you had lots of animals. Um, But his dad has worked hard and has created a living for his family and this son, completely clueless, completely oblivious to what his father has poured into his father has sacrificed and, and given and how faithful his father's been to him, he says something that is probably the worst possible thing you can say to a parent. And he says, I want your money, dad. And to be honest, it'd be okay if you were dead because that's kind of what this money is predicated upon. So this guy takes money from his dad and he does what so many young people do. He goes off and he starts living the way that he wants to. Starts doing what he wants because he has no clue. He doesn't. He's selfish. He's like most young people. I know I was. I can't speak to you guys at all. I don't know your experience. I was selfish. I didn't realize how selfish I was until I got married. You become responsible for other people, you immediately begin to see just how self-centered that you are. And this kid, he was in pretty bad shape. And he goes out and things are good for a while. I mean, things are good. Like he's, he's like, man, this is the life. This is wonderful. Look at all this money I've got. He goes out and starts doing all the things that he thinks he wants to do. Living his life the way that he wants to. He thinks he's reached it. He's like, this is it. I've got all this money. I've got all these friends because I've got all this money. I can do whatever I want to. But then something changes. And the money starts to run out. He doesn't know anything about handling money. All he knows is he just wants money. He doesn't know anything about it. So he doesn't steward his money. He just goes out and spends it like it grows on a tree. Whew, our government could take a lesson from this story right here. <clears throat> so he finds himself in a pig pen. All the money's gone. And he's sitting there in a pig pen wondering, what happened? How did I get here? 
just a little while ago, I had my entire inheritance. I was rich. I was wealthy. How did I get here? And he starts thinking about it, and apparently it took him a while to think about it. He was still on the run. That's the first part of this anatomy of the comeback is the run, the moving away from what it is that we should be doing or who it is that we should be or what it is that the Lord has called us to do. Maybe we're running from friends and family. Maybe we're running from responsibility. Maybe we're running from our own fear. I can testify to that. I know what it's like to be so afraid of what it is that you're looking at, so afraid of what it is that you feel like you're supposed to do, that it's easier to turn in the other direction and to leave it all behind. Look at Jonah. Jonah's a prime example. Jonah was in the same situation. He was like, I don't, I don't want to do that, Lord. That's, that's too tough. That, that gets too much into me. I'm going to have to go and preach to people that are our mortal enemies. So he runs, just like this kid. This son has run away. He's taken all this money, and he's lived well for a long time. But then he finds himself in a pig pen. But there's still hope. There's always, always hope. I don't know where the quote comes from. I don't know if it's anonymous or if there's a person out there. YouTube, I'm sure you can hit me up in the comment section. Somebody knows. But there's this quote that goes, while there's breath, there's, there's hope. While you have breath, there's hope. While, while there's life, there's hope. And this kid still had hope. He was having to work through it, though. He was having to get there. It was taking him a while because he thought everything was great. But then all of a sudden, bad circumstances. He's like, what, what, are, what are these? I've always lived at home and everything's always been really good. What are these circumstances? How did this happen? Not realizing that he was the cause of his own misery. But then we get to the revelation. Something happens. Something finally clicks. The father, as anguished as he was to let his son go, the father let his son go and learn it the hard way because he knew that was the only way the son was going to learn it. And now the son, sitting in this pig pen, is starting to turn this over in his mind. And he's rolling back the time and he's going, where did this all, at what, at what point did this all fall apart? And he begins to realize, well, it fell apart back here whenever I was being selfish and I was telling my daddy I wanted all his money. And he begins to figure out, and it takes him a while. The Bible doesn't tell us how long it takes him, but apparently it was a while. It takes him a while to start putting it together. And the Lord lets us do that, doesn't he? He gives us the rope that we need to get out there in that area without him, or at least it feels like we're without him. He'll let us go. He's still there on the other end. You know, he's still there on the other end. He's given us the rope that we need. 
He knows what it is that we need. He's allowing us to go out there and walk through those difficult circumstances. He's allowing us to go out there and feel that anguish and that heartbreak that we've actually brought to ourselves because he knows it's going to bring us to the revelation, the realization. Sorry, I've got too many words in my head this morning. He knows eventually if he allows us to go and he keeps working on our hearts and our minds that one day it's going to click, that one day we're going to get it. It might take us two days. It might take us two months. It might take us two years. It may take us 20 years. But the Lord is still working. He's still moving. Even in those moments of our unfaithfulness, the Lord is still faithful. So this kid finally comes to the realization. And in verse 17, it says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. And then he develops a plan. He says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he stopped. He took time to figure out what went wrong. Where did I step off the path? If you guys have ever seen the, uh, the Hobbit movies, there's this one part in one of the movies where they're going through this forest and Gandalf tells them, Gandalf from the pulpit, sorry y'all, Gandalf tells them, if you leave the path, you'll never find the path again. And they end up in a real bad situation and then they finally end up kind of getting some help to get back on the path at the end. But that's kind of where this kid is at and he's starting to put two and two together. The Lord has been faithful and has allowed him understanding to realize where he blew it, where he messed up. And it's not always us. Sometimes there are things in lives, in our lives beyond our control that mess us up. Sometimes there are people that, that hurt us. Sometimes there are circumstances that are completely beyond our control. And we can't even, we have nothing to do with what happened to us. But we're still having to sit and deal with the circumstances. And if we're not careful, we allow it to make us distant from the Lord we begin to think that maybe he's not so good. Maybe he's, maybe he's not the loving father that he says, why would he allow this to happen to me? If he's so good, why am I here? Why did this happen to me? It's not always us. In this story, he brought his own misery on himself, but there are times in our lives whenever we don't bring it on ourselves. There are things that have been done to us, said to us, ways that we've been treated, things that have happened to us that have nothing to do with us or our performance. And we begin to doubt his goodness. And when we do that, we start backing up. We're like, okay, Lord, if that's the way things are, I'd rather go sit over here in the, in the pig pen with the pigs But the son comes to the realization, things are better at my father's. Things are better at dad's house. And he formulates a plan. He said, I'm going to go back and I'm just going to be a servant. 
I'm going to go back and I'm going to lay it all out. I'm going to, I'm going to drop the pride and I'm going to say, I don't even deserve to be your son anymore. Just take me back and let me work for you. And with that plan and that realization, he heads off and he begins the return. So it says in verse 20 of Luke chapter 15, so he returned home to his father and while he was still a long way off, Mm. I got to tell you, the first few times I read through this chapter, I couldn't even get through. (laughs) I'm in the middle of chopsticks in Lillington trying to eat lunch. Tears are pouring everywhere. (laughs) I had to have looked ridiculous to those people in that restaurant. Reading about the faithfulness and the goodness of our father. Tears, snot. One of the girls came over to me. She's like... Tommy, you okay? Because they know me pretty well there. I eat there all the time. I said, Tommy, are you okay? Yeah, yeah I'm great. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Tears is everywhere. I'm dabbing my eyes and trying to look respectable in the middle of, uh, of the restaurant. <clears throat> it says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off. While he was still a long way off. His father saw him coming. The father never never stopped, never stopped looking, never stopped holding out hope. We don't know how long this was. It could have been years. We have no idea. But the father never stopped looking. He never stopped hoping. He would walk out of his house and look, is my son coming home today? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, now listen to this. This is one of the things that got me the most. So the son had already formulated the idea. I'm going to go home. I'm going to work for my dad. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to tell him I'm not even worthy of being his son anymore. I've treated him so badly. Just let me come work for you. So his son said to him, and this is verse 21. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And the father doesn't even let him get the rest of it out. He's ready to, he's ready to roll out this plan that he's got where he's just going to come back and work for him and be a hired servant and the father stops him dead. Doesn't even let him get it out. Doesn't even consider for a moment that he would not be his son. Doesn't even consider for a moment that he's going to take him back like some hired hand. Not for a moment. The father does something amazing and radical and it flies in the face of what so many other people would do. It says, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. 
for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. It says, and so the party began. I love the scripture, and I love those comeback stories. I love the ones where even when we've blown it ourselves, the Lord allows us to return. One of my favorite ones is the three Hebrew children. I love that story. That's an amazing comeback story. That's a miraculous comeback story. But even this story, even though the son was at fault, even though it was his pride and his self-centeredness that drove him into this, the Lord, the Father, was still willing to allow him to return. The Father wasn't just allowing him to return. The Father was anxiously awaiting his return. And when we look at the idea of a return, so often we think that, you know, when you go to a store and you, you see a return good, what do you think? It's kind of picked over. You see it in this area where it's had, they've had to put a new label on it, you know, and the box has probably been opened. You know, maybe there's some writing on it. There's no plastic wrapping. It doesn't look new anymore. And they're kind of relegated to this one spot in the store. Hmm, return goods. You know, should I take a chance on that? I worked at Best Buy for five years, and we had this one area called the open box area. And that was, that was also known as the crapshoot. <laughs> because you were wondering if you bought that open box item, if there was something wrong that maybe they just didn't figure out there was something wrong with it. And you're going to take home a defective item. And I think sometimes whenever we get ourselves back together and we return to the Lord, we feel that way. We feel like we're like, we feel defective. We feel... I can't be useful now. I blew it. How can the Lord use me now? You know what? And not only did I blow it, everybody saw me blow it. Everybody. Everybody in the church, my brothers and sisters, might have been on TV. Everybody saw me blow it. How can I be useful again? But the Lord doesn't put the label of damaged goods on us when we return. We're not damaged goods. Because when he takes us back in, he makes us new. He gives us new life. He restores us. He revives us. He makes us useful again. He doesn't leave us like we were. He doesn't put us on a shelf and go, you know what? They were, they were useful to me before. But they blew it, so, you know, if they can be any use, that's not what he does. That's not what he does. For those of you sitting at home, for those of you sitting at home right now or listening to this podcast, 
and you feel like you've blown it and you've gone too far and you can't be useful again, know that the Lord is waiting for your return. Know that he's anxiously awaiting for you to come back and to give yourself to him again because he wants to take you and he wants to renew you and he wants to restore you. He wants to revive you. He wants to make you useful again. He wants to give you purpose again. There's a scripture in Proverbs, and I, I don't think I gave it to Donna this morning, and if I didn't, I apologize, but it's Proverbs 24, verse 16, and in the New Living Translation, it reads a little bit different than the King James. Honestly, I really like the King James a little bit more, but it's a little wordy, but in the New Living Translation, it says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again, but one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. The Lord's calling us back. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, don't stay down. Don't sit back. Don't sit back where you are right now and feel like you're useless. Don't sit back feeling like you've gone too far. He's waiting for us just to take the first step. I don't know who this is for. I don't know if this is for somebody over YouTube. I don't know if this is for somebody who's going to hear this audio podcast later. I don't know if it's for somebody in the room. I don't know if maybe it's just for me. But I feel the Lord saying this today. He's waiting for us to take that first step back. And you don't have to have completely blown it. You could be sitting in this room right now. You could be a person who's known Jesus for 50 years but something in your life has caused you to recede and to step back and to move away and to separate yourself from the Lord. Something has happened in your life that has caused you to pull back, to step away to the point where sometimes maybe you don't even think you have a relationship with him anymore. But the Lord is saying to you this morning, the Lord is saying to you by television and YouTube, the Lord is saying to you by podcast right now, take the first step. I'll bridge the distance. I'll bridge the distance. All you have to do is take the first step. And he's going to come running with compassion and with love, and with mercy, and with grace, and he's going to pick you up, and he's going to renew you, he's going to restore you, he's going to revive you, he's going to bring you back into fellowship with him again, he's going to make you useful again, he's going to give you purpose again, he's going to restore you to the way that you never thought you could be again. He's going to bring you new life. He's going to give you new purpose. He's calling you back today. Don't stay where you are. Don't stay where you are. Get up. 
come back. He's calling. He's calling. Don't stay where you are. Don't stay where you are. He's calling us back. I can relate. Because there have been times in my own life while still belonging to him, there were times that I pulled back so far because something happened or I was hurt. Or maybe it looked like he wasn't the loving God that he says he is. I've allowed myself to be in the same situation. I've allowed myself to sit on the sidelines and not fulfill his purpose for me. Because I thought I was too broken. I thought I was useless. I thought I had said too much. I had gone too far. I had neglected him too much that he could never use me again. And there are people listening to this today, maybe a year from now by podcast, but you feel the same way. The enemy has lied to you and he's told you that you're no good. He's told you, how could God love you? Look at what you've done. Look at what you've become. How could God love you? But the Lord is saying today, I love you. I died for you, and I'm calling you back to myself. You are mine. I gave everything I have to bring you back to myself. All you've got to do is take the first step. That's all he wants from us this morning is that first step. All he wants us to do is realize where we are. Purpose to return to him. And we don't have to be in the shape of of this prodigal son, the lost son. We don't have to be in the same shape. This applies to all of us. It really does. All of us at some point in our lives have allowed, allowed ourselves to find ourselves in the pig pen. We've all found ourselves there at one point or another. But the Lord's calling us home. Our God is the God of the comeback. He is. That's who he is. That's what Jesus' life was all about. It was the comeback. He's calling us in. He says, I don't care where you are, what you've done, what you've gotten yourself into, what it is that you think that you've become, I'm calling you back. He's calling us back this morning. So answer his call. Take that first step. Don't stay where you are. He's calling us back. Father, we worship you this morning. And we thank you for your word.
We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, that you don't leave us where we are. You don't leave us broken. You don't leave us, even in our own selfish state, Heavenly Father, you're calling us back. You're waiting with bated breath for us to return. You're looking and listening for the sounds of our return this morning. Now, Father, let your word go out. Father, you know what you've sent it for. Don't let your word return void. But let your word reach every person for whom it's intended. Whether it's here in the house today, whether it's by YouTube 10 years from now, whether it's an audio podcast that somebody hears while they're going down the road, Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to stop right where we're at and return to you. Father, make our story a comeback. Father, when we're sitting in heaven in your kingdom with you, we get to tell one another the stories of our comeback. You know, I was, I was in this situation, but man, the Lord was really faithful and he brought me back. We get to hear all those stories of victory, all those stories of comeback when we're sitting together in his kingdom. So Father, today, I've shared your word the way that I feel like you would have had me to. So Father, I pray you would take it and use it. Lord, we're here today, your people. Help us, Heavenly Father, if we're away from you in any way. We don't have to have backslidden, Heavenly Father, and fallen into some sort of deep, terrible sin. But Father, you know. You know who needs you. You know what the circumstances of our life are even better than we do. So this morning, if there's anybody who feels like they need to come to pray at the altar, the altar's open. There's something in your life that maybe you feel like somehow you've allowed some distance between yourself and the Lord. And you want to close the gap. You want to, you want to make a comeback. You don't want to allow that thing in your life to continue causing separation between you and the Father. The altar is open this morning. And he's waiting. He's waiting for a restoration of that relationship. If you're sitting in your car, if you're sitting in your home, you're watching this on television, you're listening to a podcast and you feel the Holy Spirit calling to you right now, don't be afraid to stop where you are and to run back to the Father. Stop what you're doing right now. The Lord's calling you. He's there right now, ready to restore and to heal 
and to renew and to give new life. He's ready to take those dry bones and make them live again. So don't wait. Don't wait. Don't hang out in the pig pen any longer. Don't spend any more time. Don't spend any more time apart from the Father. Come running back. He wants to tell the story of your comeback. The Father this morning wants to share the story of your comeback. When we get to heaven, the Father's going to be able to say, May 2nd, 2021, or wherever it is that you're hearing or seeing this, he's going to be able to mark down right then, this was the date of their comeback. This was the day they returned. This was the day I was able to restore purpose to their life. Don't be afraid. The Father doesn't scold. He's sitting with love and compassion, ready to receive you back. Father, we worship you. We bless you. We thank you for your word. May it accomplish what it is that you sent it for.